Acts today, a very dramatic passage of Scripture, and uh, we're going to read 1 through 16 right now. It says, About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed by the sword. Quick context right there. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. Just a few chapters earlier, they killed him. Now, James, he's one of the twelve. Like now it's not just a Christian, it is one of the leaders that is that has died. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. Now again, you got Rome, you got the Jews. Rome doesn't want any sort of craziness going on. It's mainly Jews in the area, so he wants to keep them happy. Peter, and now it's another leader. This is Jesus' best friend. Peter's next. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover, but while Peter, Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, i.e. the night before he was supposed to die, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate, Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. I love this. It says the, the angel struck him on the side to awaken him. He had to punch him, give him a little punch in the ribs. Wake up, dude. Uh, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. And now put on your coat and follow me. He's in the middle of a miracle and he's got to still do some very ordinary basic things, which by the way, God might be working a miracle in your life, but he still wants you to just obey in the normal everyday things. Get your clothes on. Hey, get in the word. Just do those normal everyday tasks. You're in the middle of a miracle. Don't miss that. But there's often some, just some normal things that are taking place too. All the while, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and then came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by themselves. So they passed through, started walking down the street, and then the angels suddenly left them. Boom, gone. Now you're on the street free. Peter came to his senses. It's true. The Lord has sent this angel, save me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, and where many were gathered in prayer, knocked on the door gate, and the servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. And when, they insist, when she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. This can't be true. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. He's still outside. And when they finally opened the door, they saw him and they were amazed. They were so amazed and glad to see Peter. Hey, take a few seconds before you take your seat. Say hello to four or five people and tell them how glad you are to see them. Welcome in here today. Say hello uh, and just take a few minutes to say hello to one another. I want to also welcome in our, uh, our online church family as well as they're joining us uh, on Facebook Live right now. I'm sharing it at the moment. Uh, you, you guys do whatever you want. If you want to jump in on the comments as well on the live stream, you can. But for our church online family, I'm so grateful for each and every one of you that, uh, that um, I, I get messages every now and then. People who listen on the podcast or people who join in live or my mom and dad, sometimes they jump in too. Like, thanks, mom. Um, 
but no, that's that's going live. Um, 19 years ago, uh, it was 2004, summer of 2004. That's the summer where Rita and I, um, we got engaged. Uh, that summer, I had asked uh, her dad, I called her dad up and asked uh, for her hand in marriage to which he said yes. And I took that next uh, week to two weeks after that conversation to uh, really become a diamond expert. I had three things that I had in my mind for when, when we were gonna get married and hoping that she would say yes, but I was like, hey, I, I wanna spend money on the honeymoon. Uh, I wanna spend money, I want her to have the dress that she wants and I want to get her a good ring. Everything else is important, but those were the three. Honeymoon, I wanna, I wanna have the dress and I wanna have, have the ring. So I became a diamond uh, expert studying and studying and studying uh, everything I could. I learned about the four C's of diamond grading, all right? So when you get it, we know about carrots, right? How many carrots are in a diamond? That's the weight of a diamond. Uh, when, when, they're, when you're measuring carrots, that's the weight. But they also, the other C's are cut, color, and clarity. And the better you can get on the grading on all of those things, the more expensive the diamond. I learned that one of the most expensive diamonds in the world is the Hope Diamond has a bluish color to it, uh, worth around, it's 112 carats, worth around $200 million, except for that blasted lady threw it into the ocean at the end of Titanic, and we, you know, it's gone. That's not true, by the way. <laughs> it's, uh, it's in the Smithsonian. You can go and see it right there. Um, but it's actually, there's some other diamonds, I think they're in, in London, the, uh, the royal family, owns them that are that are even more expensive um the the diamond that i got for for rita and her her ring it actually came with a full report on all of those things i got a, i got this thing it tells me and it shows not only the grading but it has pictures to where you're looking for imperfections minor blemishes things that are are uh, clouding out how well this diamond is going to shine because that's as you grade these things it's like how 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 brilliant is this thing how clear is this thing and just the smallest little things will make it shine less we're in a season where a message series where we're talking about open house and and our verses say hey you are the light of the world and I didn't, I didn't call you the light of the world. I didn't set you to be a city on a hill only to, to, to not let you shine. No, he says, I want you to shine bright. And so the thing is, there are certain imperfections in our lives that we all have. We have certain things that, that kind of cloud out that keep us from shining as bright or as brilliant as we should. And that is not to guilt us or shame us. I think when God ever exposes some of these things in your life, it is not to condemn you. It is, it is not to shame you. It is always to make you better. It is always to build you up so you can, can shine bright. So we've been doing this series called Open House, where we've been digging into some areas that aren't so bright, where, where 
I, it's kind of like the, that closet, that, that stuff full. We're like, I, I'd rather not look in that closet. It's a little messy. Don't look in that junk drawer. Let's not go through that stuff right now. And he's like, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's, let's go into that room. Let's go into that area. Today, I want to I talk about a room in, in your house that, that creeps up and can, can keep us from shining bright. It's the area of your cynicism. The area where, where we've gone a little bit cold and a little bit cynical, maybe in our relationships, maybe in our, in, our, in our view of God, maybe in our view of church, maybe it's in our view of ourselves. There's cynicism that, gr- that can grow in our lives. It can be hard to shine. It can be hard to shine bright when the circumstances are bleak. Herod, as we just read in Acts chapter 12, he's on the throne. He just killed James. The church does not look like it is in good shape right now because there's been great things that are happening, but now leaders are dying and they're coming after more. Peter's next. He's going to die tomorrow. I wonder how many of us have lost a James and it's caused us to question. It has caused us to pause, it has caused us to kind of hold back and shine a little less bright because of what might be on the horizon. It's hard to shine when the circumstances look bleak. Maybe there was a dream that died. I know for me, COVID, living through COVID and and coming out of COVID, there were so many things, so many dreams, so many hopes. Church was going a certain way and then boom, everything changed. I wonder if something died for you during COVID. I wonder if you were burned in a relationship. And as you were burned, you're just like, you know what? I'm not trusting people anymore. And that cynicism just grows another layer thick because I'm not, I'm not going to open up like I did before. That hurt too much. The risk is too much, and I will not allow myself to get burned like that again. I wonder if your hope has died. I mean, you can look at the circumstances. It's like, hey, I've been there. (laughs) I've done that. Give me 10 seconds. I'm going to tell you how that chapter ends. I know exactly how this story goes. You You can bring that cynicism even into your church life where the church has messed up and has burned you and you know how these things are going to go. Hey, I know it's going to be three songs and a message and we're done. I just know exactly how these things are going to go. Our cynicism can grow even when it's with God. That's, I think this is one of the hardest parts in ministry and even one of the hardest parts in life. When, when God could have or God should have I mean, we're talking about James, James and John, two of the closest guys with Jesus. God could have, God should have, and he didn't. James is dead, guys. Peter's arrested. It's not looking, he's down tomorrow. You you pile up too many Jameses in your life. And it's easy to grow cold and a little cynical and get offended with God. They say, I don't know who you are or who you think you are. 
I'm just trying to be a little bit real with you guys as we dig into this place, these areas in our lives. Where cynicism can grow, a distrust for for other people, a lack of hope, it leads to jaded negativity, skepticism, contempt, even scorn. Where cynicism can be more comfortable than faith. Because I know how the story goes. And I wonder if your hope died when James died. Whatever James represents for you today. The truth is, it looks bad. It is bad and it looks bad. The circumstances look not very good at all. But the truth is, it's not bad at all. If you read Acts chapter 12, although it looks bad, it's not bad. I, I, wanna, I, I was going to save this to the end, but I want to do it right now. At the start of this chapter, Herod's on the throne. James is dead. The church is dying and on the run. At the end of this chapter, Herod is dead and the church is thriving and alive and growing. It looks bad, but it's not. And in the middle, and in the middle of this is a praying church. What you have sandwiched in the middle of this situation is a praying church. One that, that can look at the circumstances and not give in to their cynicism. That can look at the, what's going on on the outside that looks at, and not give in to their fears. And say, I know the one who's in control here. I know the one who can. I know the one who is able and I'm not giving up. It says, but Peter was in prison. This is in the ESV. It says, but earnest prayer. I love, I love that. Peter's in prison, but earnest prayer. That is the changing point in this whole story. The, the turning point in the chapter, but earnest prayer. United together by the church. This wasn't just a one-off thing. They were in this together as a church family praying on behalf of their leader, not knowing what's going to happen because the last time they prayed, it didn't happen. That's part of the confusion. Why, why did James get saved or die, but Peter gets saved? It's, it doesn't seem right. They're still praying anyway. Never underestimate the power of a praying church. Never underestimate the power of a pr praying church. There's a guy, Thomas Watson, who, who quoted as saying, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was the prayer that fetched the angel. God moves. He hears when you're praying. You may not get the answer that you want, but God is moving on your behalf. When the angel shows up, he has to hit, he has to hit uh, Peter and wake him up. I, I just find this comical as I'm reading this. Like the angel has the power to just like, boom, jail cell open, boom, chains open. But I can't get this guy to, to wake up. Like who's the, who's the sound asleep sleeper in your house? Like feel free to point at him. The one that's snoring or whatever. Are you that person? You, you know, where, 
Like I wake up with a bruised rib cage and like knots in my back sometimes uh, because I guess I'm the snorer. I don't snore, but apparently I do. And, and uh, I'm like, what's going on? I'm that guy. I sleep. The angel would have had to punch me. All right. To try to wake me up. Say, what, what's going on, dude? Kicks him in the side, has to wake him up. How is Peter asleep? James just died. He's going to die in the morning. And he's asleep? Between two guards? Asleep. Your last night. And you got that piece to sleep? This reminds me of the time when the Peter and the disciples, they're on the boat with Jesus. And Jesus, uh, they're going across, I don't know, Sea of Galilee, I can't remember exactly where, but there's a storm raging. And the, the waves are crashing in and the boats are sinking. And they're, the guys are going crazy, the disciples are going crazy, and they go to Jesus and what's Jesus doing during this storm while the, while, the, while the boat's about to sink? What's Jesus doing? Anybody remember that story? He's sleeping. They're, they're coming to Jesus saying, don't you care? You're asleep, God. You're asleep on this thing. You should be awake. You should be doing something. I'm freaking out over my circumstances right now, and you're sleeping. And Jesus gets up and he calms the storm, teaches them a little bit of a lesson on who he is. He is God. I know how the storm started, guys. I know how the storm's going to end. I created this whole thing, guys. I think Peter knew who was in control of that situation. I think that's one factor on why he was asleep. His trust was in Jesus. Two, I think he had a praying church. Have you ever had a church praying for you? Have you ever had people praying for you? And you don't know exactly, you can't hear what's going on, but there's something about knowing that you have a group of people, which is why you need to get in a connect group, which is why you, you can't go through this life. When people are praying on your, on your side, on your behalf, and it brings this awareness that God's with me, that there is people with me. I'm not alone in all of this together. I think he knew he had a group of people on his behalf. He's like, all right, God's, God's going to do something. I don't know what, but he's on my side. He's with me. And he's asleep in this moment. So much asleep that the angels got to kick him in the side. He gets, he gets freed. Through some crazy circumstances, the angel sets him free. Then the angel disappears. I think that's nuts. Then he's just like, oh, wow, I'm free and I'm on the streets. I'm a wanted man. What do I do now? And he goes to his church family. He goes to where he knows the people are praying for him. He's now an answer to their prayers. And so he's going to go and, and, and go be with the people and let them know what's happening. He gets there. The door is locked. And why wouldn't it be? Because they're arresting people right now. They are arresting leaders. They are killing them. So he's knocking on the door. 
Rhoda comes, which this is a, just a total side note. I, I used to have a cousin named Rhonda from California, and I only got to meet her once growing up. So I grew up in Missouri. This is totally non-church related, but just so um, we got to meet Rhonda once growing up as as kids. And so we had all the cousins that are from Missouri. We are together at Easter. We're together at Christmas, like all the stuff. So we know each other. And then here comes poor Rhonda from, from California. She's the outcast, even though she's the cousin. And we called her Rhoda all weekend long and we made her cry <laughs> and she was so upset. So it was like all these, this Rhoda's. And then I finally read the Bible for the first time. Like, oh my gosh, there's Rhoda. And here she is kind of like the hero in the story. So good for you, Rhoda. And I'm sorry to my cousin Rhonda, who I now know she lives in Phoenix and she's nice. But anyway, that's my, that's my, I just, I read this and I'm like, ah, oh, Rhoda, that was such a terrible thing that I did way back in the day. But Rhoda answers the door. I think, it, I, I think it's interesting. It says that she's the, the, the servant. I don't have enough to go into all the cultural context of that, but it, she's not the leader of the group. She's like the lowliest one in the group. And she's the one that has the courage to go to the locked door because it could be guards coming to arrest people in the group. And she's the one that does it. Now, she's obviously a part of the group. She knows Peter's voice. She's not the leader, but she knows what's going on. And she run, she's so excited. She runs back and tells everyone, Peter's standing at the door. To which they said, you're out of your mind. To which I would say, that's the point. Get out of your mind. What you think God's going to do, what you think God is not going to do, you've already drawn up the plans and said, this is how it's going to work. Get out of your mind. When I'm anxious and I'm worried and I'm afraid, get out of your mind, Mike, because it is stifling what God can and can't do in your life. When you're angry and frustrated, Get out of your mind because you're trying to do things on your own and dictate and control or manipulate the situation. The whole goal, get out of your mind. We, people would say, you're out of your mind. And I'm like, thank you. Yes, I, I've been trying to get out of my brain and out of my mind, which, oh, by the way, this is just a little uh, marriage tip. Get out of your spouse's mind while you're at it. Like, what? I always say, oh, she's going to say this, and then she's going to say that, and then oh, I, I, if I say this, then I'm going to say that. Get out of her head. If you need to have a conversation with somebody, talk to them. If you're fighting somebody who is not in the room with you, get, get out of their head. Talk to people. Back to this, get out of here. You're out of your mind. Well, good. I've been needing to get out of my mind. This church was a praying church, but they weren't expecting that prayer to be answered. Is the answer to your prayer still knocking at the door, waiting for you to let them in the house? Get out of your mind. 
you could tell they were, they're like, no, it, well, then it must be his angel because it can't have actually happened. Cynical. So many, James has died. There's no way Peter can survive this too. I know I'm in church today. I believe in God and I'm praying, but there's no way God's going to change this situation. There's no way God's going to move in Los Alamos and start a revival in this town. There's no way God's going to use me and my workplace. And Get out of your mind. You're putting God in a box to saying what he can and cannot do. There's no way God can reach people online. There, there's, the church, that, that's, not, that's not real church. You got to be in church to have real church. Get out of your mind. Who's to say God can't reach people through a podcast, through a phone, through whatever. We cannot put God in a box. This church was praying, which was huge, but they were not expecting. I want a church. I want a church that is expecting. I want a generation of believers in Los Alamos that believes God can, that believes God is able, that believes God is expecting, that God can do something through faith. I'm not going to allow cynicism to reign in my life. I'm going to start walking in faith. Yes, James died. James, whatever that was for you, that happened. And that was real and that was raw. But enough of that, because there's still a Peter somewhere in your life that is in jail, that is in prison, that is in chains, that needs to be free. And God can do things that can still work miracles today that he did 2,000 years ago. And I'm going to be praying on their behalf. I'm going to be serving on their behalf. I'm going to be believing on their behalf. And when that, when that answer to that prayer shows up, I'm not going to shut it out. Let's be honest, it'd be easier if Peter were still in prison. Opening up that door and letting him in brings a whole new set of problems. It'd be easier if he just stayed in jail and died, then I could just blame God. I prayed, you didn't do it. I did my part, you didn't do it. Now he's here. Now I got a deal. The miracle happened. I don't know what's going to happen next. This is the adventure of, of following Jesus. That he wants to do things. It's not always easier. I believe, I believe in your life. There is a, there is a Peter that is in chains, that is in jail that is in shackles and this Easter God wants to use you to help set them free Easter's April 9th spring break starts on April 2nd so we end spring break and we come back here and I believe God's going to set people free on April 9th through you believing on their behalf there's somebody who is bound up in chains bound up in addictions, bound up in hurts, bound up in, in their mind, mental illnesses, and God wants to use you to help set them free. This is the God can.
we brought this out on our very first service. Very first service, number one, at Freedom Church, we said, hey, this is just a dirty old trash can. <laughs> but today, it's representing the fact that God can. He can. Will he? I don't know. But I'm going to stop playing the game of will God or won't God and in my head determining, predetermining what he will or won't or can or cannot do. I'm going to start having faith to disbelieve that he can. This is a giant message of God is able. He is able. And I'm going to trust in him. So each one of you, you got one of these. I don't, I don't need you to put your name on it. I just want you to have that moment. God. The area I need for Jesus to move the most in my life is fill in the blank. In a few minutes here, we're going to, I'm going to put the God can right there on the floor. I'm going to ask that you would just as an act of worship, yeah, I'm not, no one has to do it. we got some pens right here if you need a pen. Fill this out, pray over it, and put it right in the God can. And that is your way of saying, you know what? I believe God can. I believe God can. I'm not going to be cynical anymore trying to determine, oh, he will or he won't, or I've already determined how this chapter ends. Nope, I just believe that he can. And that's where my faith is today. Also, we're going to have a couple prayer partners, some, some people who I know when they pray, God seems to answer and do some work. So we're going to have a time of video worship here in a couple minutes. And, and it is a, a time of worship for you to sing, to, to pray, to put that down. If you want someone to pray over for you today in this moment, let's just see what God can do. We want to pray for you too. And as I've alluded already, that's not how the chapter ends. And it's not how the chapter has to end for you. Herod, Herod, who was on the throne, has this moment, and, and it says at the, at the end of that, he's given a speech. And as he's given the speech, it says the people gave him a great ovation, shouting, it's the voice of God, not a man. I mean, whatever he said must have been amazing. They loved him. The crowds loved it. And he loved hearing what they said about him. And instead of getting glory to God, he took it on himself, and it says, Instantly an angel of the Lord struck Herod with his sickness because he accepted people's worship instead of giving God the glory. So he was consumed with worms and he died. And here's where the twist comes. It says, the Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. These people shined, regardless of the circumstances that were going on in their lives. How were they able to do this? Why were they able to do this? Why? Quite simply because Jesus, Jesus was alive. These were eyewitnesses. They saw their Lord, their Savior, their Creator, the one who they were on that boat with. They saw him die. They saw him alive again. They witnessed all these miracles in their lives. They were eyewitnesses. And they're like, you know what? Jesus, he's the one that reigns. He's the one that can. He's the one that able. And we're going to put our trust in him. One of the final things, one of the final things that Jesus told his followers before he left came out of Matthew chapter 28. And he says this, he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go. And that's our word as a church for this year. Go, go, go. We're not going to maintain. We're not going to settle. Go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, 
in the Holy Spirit. And what stood out to me as I read that today is the word authority. What, is, what does that mean, authority? It is, it is someone who is in charge. It means someone who is in control. I've been given all authority. Now go. I am with you in this thing. So when you're putting this in, the God can. No, you are putting it in the hands of the one who has all the authority over your situation, who has all the control over your situation. You're releasing it from your hands saying, hey, this is prayer. I can't, God, but I believe you can. So with that, can we stand and let's pray and then we're going to have a time of worship and a time of prayer as we close out our service today. Father, we come to you today humbly, 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 recognizing we do have those areas that we have predetermined how we think you work, how we think you can or cannot. We repent of that today. We bow humbly to you today just to say, you know what? You can do what you want. You have all authority, not only in this world, but you have all authority in my life. And I recognize I am not God. You are. I'm also coming to you, God, because I have this thing in my life. I have this stressor in my life. I need you to move in my life in this area. And whether you do or don't, I know, I know God, that you can. And so I'm asking you, in some cases I'm begging you again to move in this area of my life. And I come to you in faith today, trusting that you can. I'll worship you and you alone, Jesus, in this moment. Father, thank you. I pray that you would move in this place in these next few moments as we sing, as we pray, as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster. As well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you wanna partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give, that's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.